in uh, some Bible verses. But there are things that every Christian should understand. And the Bible seems to insinuate that until you understand the things we've been going over the last few weeks, you're hindered in your ability to grow into maturity. That's what it says. So I want to read to you two verses. Uh, first out of First Timothy, then the next one out of Second Timothy, Paul writing to his uh, son in the faith, his protege, and he's reminding him of his ordination. And so I want you to look at this. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy with what, everybody? The laying on of the hands of the eldership. Now I want you to catch that phrase, the laying on of the hands, because that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. You probably never heard a message on the laying on of hands, unless you've been through our Finding the Rock class, then you have. But the laying on of hands is something every Christian is supposed to understand. Now, look at 2 Timothy. For this reason, Timothy, I remind you, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you, how? Through the laying on of my hands. So there it is twice. Timothy, you've got a gift. The gift came to you by the laying on of hands. I don't want you to let it go dormant. I don't want you to let it atrophy. I want you to stir it up, fan it into flame, use it or lose it. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you right now for this truth on the laying out of hands. And I pray that you will open our eyes and show us what our authority is in Jesus Christ. Now, will you breathe a prayer, dear church, and say, Lord, speak to me today. I receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him this. You look better than last time I saw you. and You can be seated. <laughs> Just kidding. Some of you are looking at me like. Now, we've been talking about things every Christian should know. The reason I'm doing this is because so many Christians in the West, in North America, in the Western Hemisphere, from the pulpit, there's just not a lot of Bible teaching anymore. We've kind of gotten into glorified motivational seminars. And we need to get back to the Bible. Because faith comes by hearing the Bible. That's where faith comes from. Faith is inflamed by, stoked by, hearing the Word of God. Now, one of the things that we're to understand is this whole thing about the laying out of hands. This is what the Bible calls one of the foundational truths of Christianity. When you put a foundation down for a house, it's what the rest of the house is going to rest on. So if the foundation is made of sand, the whole house is unstable. But if you put that house on cement, then it's going to stand. The cement are the foundation stones found in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. There's six of them, and we've been going over them the last few weeks, and today is the fourth one, laying out of hands. But let me just read to you what he says, Hebrews 6, 1 through 2. So let us leave the first things you need to know about Christ. Let us go on to the teaching that full-grown Christians should understand. We do not need to teach these first truths again. He said we shouldn't have to be repeating ourselves to teach these basic foundational truths. You ought to know them. Now look what he goes on to say. You already know about the need for repentance. 
You know that you must have faith in God. You know about being baptized. We just saw 32 people baptized. You know about that. And look what he says, and about the laying on of hands. You know about being raised from the dead and about eternal judgment. Now, he just named six things. Now, notice he said, you ought to know about the laying out of hands. Well, I could take a poll in most churches in America today, go up to any Christian and say, hey, tell me what you know about the laying out of hands. And they would look at you like a deer stares at headlights. Laying out of hands, what's that? But oh, it's so important. And I want you to know there's a blessing that resides inside of every one of you. And God wants that blessing released. And one of the ways is the laying out of hands. So let me talk about the ministry of the laying out of hands. Paul, in this, uh, in, in what we just read, Paul is writing to Timothy and saying, Timothy, I want you to remember your ordination. When you were set into the ministry, Timothy, I want you to remember the two things that happened. There was a prophetic utterance over you by one of the elders that laid hands on you. So there was an utterance that came from God to Timothy about his ministry, about his future, about his life. And then the second thing, the eldership had then laid hands on him. And the Bible says that when they laid hands on him, that a supernatural gift was imparted to Timothy. So look at it this way. Here's the elders. Here's Timothy. He's the recipient of the prayer. Here's the prayers. There's the prayee. And then there is God. So it's like this. With the laying out of hands, the prayer is sort of like one that has his hand lifted up towards God. The other one is being laid upon the forehead of the receiver. And it's like the prayer is a conduit, a pipeline for the blessing and the power and the flow of the Spirit of God to go from heaven through them to the receiver. That's the laying out of hands. There was a supernatural impartation of power from the prayer into Timothy. And he received a gift, a gift that he kept the rest of his life, that operated in his life uh, for the rest of his life. And that's why Paul said to him, listen, don't you let that gift go dormant, but stir it up because that gift came to you supernaturally by the laying on of hands. So this whole idea of laying on of hands is the person praying can be a conduit, a pipeline, a medium through which The power of God flows through them to touch another person. Keep that in your mind. I want you to realize that when you read the Gospels, for instance, you see that Jesus practiced the laying out of hands all the time. Jesus was always touching people, and when he did, amazing things happened. For instance, the Bible shows us that parents would actually bring their children to Jesus so that he would touch them. It says, then little children, Matthew 19, verse 13, then little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't show us Jesus saying anything. The parents bring these little children. Jesus reaches out and touches them and then just went his way. Now I'll ask you a question. What do you believe became of those little children that Jesus touched and blessed? Can you imagine them growing up into a wicked lifestyle? No way. Jesus blessed them. And there was something about the touch of Jesus and the blessing of Jesus. And he did it by the laying out of hands. And parents wanted him to lay hands on their children. How many of you, if Jesus could be here today, 
would run your children up to him and let him bless them. Amen. <laughs> Please help me, Jesus. Yes, I get it. Now, we also see in the, in the Bible that through the laying out of hands, Jesus healed people. The Bible says in Mark chapter 6, verse 5, he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. Luke 4, verse 40 says, when the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. So he laid his hands on the sick, the lepers, the afflicted, the diseased, and he healed them by a touch. He was like a conduit. You remember the woman with the issue of blood. She understood that the power of God rested on Jesus to such a level that she said, if I can just get behind him and just grab hold of the hem of his garment, something will happen to me because on him is a tangible power that I will access if I can just touch something that's touching him. So she came up behind him pushed through the crowd, grabbed the hem of his garment, and it says immediately virtue went out of him and flowed into her. And Jesus felt it and turned around and said, who touched me? The disciples said, man, what are you talking about? The whole crowd is touching you. He said, this was the touch of faith. And when I was touched, power went out of me into her. And she came forward and said, Lord, it was me, it was me. He said, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. So there was a, an impartation. There was a flow Church, get this, a flow of a tangible power that rested on the person of Christ. And the Bible seems to intimate that that same power can flow through God's children because Jesus said, those who believe in me will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, did I read that right? I think I read that right. That not only did Jesus do this, but he said, as I've done, you will do also. So there is, there is a power. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Mark, talks about the presence of the Lord that was there to heal. There is a power that rested on Jesus, and there is a power that rests on his people who seek him and walk with him and have faith to believe. The ministry of the laying out of hands. Now, I also see in the Bible that evil spirits also departed from people when Jesus laid his hands on them. The Bible records that there was a woman with a spirit of infirmity who could not raise herself up straight and came to him. Now, I want you to notice how this woman came to Jesus. She came to him like this. She could not raise herself up. She just stared at the ground. Her back was bowed. Her spine was curved. She could not stand up straight and had not been able to do it for years. And she came to Jesus and Jesus reached out his hand. Look what the Bible says. He he said to her, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And remember the Bible says it was a spirit of infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and held her head high. Because of Jesus. So when Jesus laid hands on her, this spirit that had bowed her back, this spirit that had afflicted her, that had brought her down, that had, that had taken away her joy of having physical health, that spirit had to leave when Jesus laid his hands on her. And Jesus also told his own disciples, that, as I've already said, that they would go and lay hands, those who believe, those who believe, not special faith 
healers, but only those who believe will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So there's Jesus again referring to laying on of hands that Hebrews 6, 2 said all of us should understand. Now, you can go all the way back into the Old Testament and find this principle of the laying out of hands. Under the Old Testament law, for instance, the priest would lay his hands on a little lamb or a little goat when that goat was going to be the scapegoat. And the scapegoat was a goat that he would lay his hands on this little goat and then let the goat wander off into the wilderness. And the idea was that that goat, having had his, uh, the priest's hands laid on him, That little goat was carrying the sins of the people off into the wilderness, never to return. And this represents what Jesus did for you and for me. It illustrates how our sins were placed on Christ. And I want you to understand today that when Jesus hung on that cross, I don't know how God did it. I don't have to know how God did it. I don't know how my car starts when I go out there, but it starts. And I know that it will, and I trust that it will. I don't know how God did it. But on the cross, it says that God took my sins and your sins and laid them on Jesus Christ. And he who knew no sin became sin for me. And then God took his righteousness and laid it on me that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And so this whole thing of laying out of hands was first illustrated in the scapegoat having hands laid on him representing the passing of the sins of the people through the laying on of hands. God literally laid hands on Jesus and laid our iniquity on him. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, let me give you a few more Old Testament examples here of how the laying on of hands was developed, this whole concept of the laying out of hands. First, you go to Joshua's ordination. Now, we know that Moses lost his temper, and God said, you're not going to cross over Moses into the promised land. So appoint a successor, and your successor is Joshua. Now, the Bible says when Joshua was, was ordained, it was accompanied by the laying out of hands. Deuteronomy 34, verse 9 says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for, now when you see a four, you need to stop and see what it's there for. When a four is there, it's connecting one thought to another. Now it's going to tell us why he was full of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now catch this. God said, I want you to anoint Joshua, and here's the way you're going to do it. I want you to lay your hands on him. And when you lay your hand on him, then I'm going to do something supernatural in the life of Joshua. And so we see here that Joshua had received the spirit of wisdom through the laying on of the hands of Moses. It's so easy to go from there straight to First and Second Timothy and see Paul laying hands on Timothy and Timothy receiving a gift. But that didn't, isn't all that Joshua received by the laying on of hands. Moses also imparted some of his own authority to Joshua by the laying out of hands. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun with you, a man in whom is the spirit and lay your hand on him. And you shall give some of your authority to him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And so he laid his hands on him. And Joshua not only received wisdom 
that was supernatural, that he did not acquire normally, but he received authority by the laying on of Moses' hands. Now, here's the takeaway. There was a transference of spiritual power through the laying on of hands. And folks, can I tell you today, it hasn't changed. There is a transference of power through the laying on of hands when it's done by a child of God in faith and in obedience to the Holy Spirit. There is a transference of power. Now, we can go into the New Testament and see even more examples of the disciples of Jesus operating in the laying on of hands for various miracles. Now, as we've already stated, Jesus said, those who believe in me, they will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. But we also see that the infilling of the Holy Spirit was poured out on others through the laying on of the hands of the apostles. It says in Acts verse 8, you find that there is a magician whose name is Simon. He's called Simon the Sorcerer. He was a wicked, demonized man. But he was watching Paul and the disciples ministering to people, and he saw that when they laid their hands on people, the power of the Holy Spirit fell upon these people. So Simon said, well, I like that. I want that. And it says in Acts 8.18, when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given He offered them money. He said to Peter, hey, here's some money. Give me this gift. And you know what Simon said to him? He said, your money perish with you. You cannot purchase the gift of God. But my only point is this, that that Simon was watching them, and he noticed through the laying on of hands, the power of the Holy Spirit was falling upon people by the laying on of hands. Every time we find the ordination of ministers in the Bible, It was accompanied with the laying out of the hands of the elders every time. When the first seven deacons, when the whole deacon ministry was launched, there were seven men, two of them. One of them was Stephen, the first martyr. Second was Philip, who preached the Samaritan revival. Men full of faith, full of Jesus, full of the Spirit. It says when they were appointed as deacons, it says whom they set before the apostles And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them and commissioned them into the ministry of the deacon, which is a spiritual position, not a grunt position, but a spiritual position into which you are anointed and sent by the Spirit of God. And never anywhere do you find ministers in the New Testament sent to the mission field without having hands laid upon them. I want to tell you today, I have pastored three churches. I've been sent to do many different works. I have never gone out to start a church or do a work for the Lord that I did not seek for those over me to lay hands on me and send me. Because there is something about having hands laid on you and sent out, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord, that you go out under a blessing and under the anointing of God. And so it was in the Bible. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, Acts 13. And the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Now look at the fruit that Barnabas and Paul brought back after being sent out that way. The laying on of hands. Now let me just for a minute, before I get down to how this matters to you and to me today, let me just give you some simple guidelines on the laying out of hands. First, you got to use discernment. 
We are not to lay hands, the Bible says, on anybody hastily into the ministry. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, the Bible says, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. That means you've got to know somebody you lay your hands on to go into ministry because as you lay hands on them and send them, if they are a novice or if they're living in sin and you send them and they mess up and they dishonor Christ, then you share in their sin. So be very, very careful who you ordain. And then I've got to just throw this in. You should never lay hands on a person because they're likable, because they're charismatic, or I'm going to go ahead and say it, because they're a big giver. You can't buy the gift of God. You can't purchase a position in the church. Ministry is not a career choice. It's a God choice. And you want to lay hands on somebody who has been chosen by God to go and do what is being done. You don't want to lay hands on somebody because they're a likable good old boy. Happens in churches all the time. The last thing you want is somebody commissioned into a ministry for which they have no divine call or gifting. Have you ever sat and listened to somebody teach who was not called to teaching? Is that not a labor of love? Just an example. Now, I want to close this on the laying out of hands. I want to come to where I really wanted to go today. And that is that the laying out of hands is for all believers. Now, how many of you in here can say, Pastor Jeff, I know that I'm a child of God. I really believe I'm washed in the blood and I'm a child of God. Born again, child of God. Raise your hands. If you don't raise your hand, I'm going to give an altar call. All right. Now, watch this. All right, all you children of God, it's most of you in here, let me tell you that every believer has been given authority to minister in Jesus' name by the laying on of hands. Now, I'm not trying to get you out of here where you go off to the nearest restaurant and look for the most depressed waitress and go slap your hand on her forehead. She might slap you back. I'm just wanting you to understand that every believer... What did Jesus say in Mark 16? He said, those who believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So every believer has been given the authority to minister in Jesus' name by the laying out of hands. The laying out of hands does not require some magical touch from a special faith teacher or a faith healer. It operates on the principle, let me show you how it works, of delegated authority. We are all in here sent by God if we're saved. Delegated authority means I am doing something on behalf of or in the place of somebody who really does have the authority and has sent me to represent them. If, if I believe for a minute that I was standing up here in the authority of Jeff, I would never do it again. Do you know why I'm up here preaching? Because many, many, many years ago, God laid his hand on me and called me to preach and sent me. I am simply representing the one who really does have authority. And as long as I know he's with me, I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me if I know he has sent me. The whole idea behind delegated authority is that I'm doing something on behalf of or in the place of somebody who really has the authority, and they sent me to represent them. And that's every last one of us. Now, let me give you an example. Most of us in here love football. We watch football. If you're not a Cowboy fan, and I wouldn't blame you if you weren't these days, but that's okay. 
Don't get mad at me. I was just kidding. But there, most all of us in here like football. We watch football. I know. Because during football season, the 11 o'clock service drops and the 9 o'clock service grows. And we've all seen these giant 400-pound brutes that are on the field. And then there is always that little guy in the striped suit with a whistle. And you can see a 400-pound halfback charging towards him, and he blows a whistle, and that monster stops. Do you know why that monster stops? Because authority is greater than power. And that little guy called the referee has authority. He's got authority. He is he doesn't have the authority in and of himself, but he represents the NFL, the entirety of the NFL. So when he blows that whistle, it is the whole NFL putting its authority behind him. And that halfback knows, if I don't stop, I'm going to answer to the entire NFL. So he stops because of this little guy representing the one who really has authority. Now, I'm showing you the way the kingdom of God works today, church. Because you see, authority is always greater than power. That, foot, that halfback, he's got the power. He has the power to go up to that little guy, that little referee, lift his leg and just stomp him like a roach. But that little referee has authority. And authority is greater than power. And his authority trumps the halfback's power. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus told us when he was about to go back to heaven. In Matthew 28, 18, it, Jesus said, all power, is that what he said? Did he say all power? You see this up here? He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What was he saying? He said, there's not any power in heaven. There is no power on earth. There is no demon, there is no devil, there is no person, there is no flesh, there is no circumstance, there is no thing greater than my authority because authority is greater than power. He was telling us, I've got it. I rule the universe. Now, he said, in light of the fact that I've got all the authority and my authority trumps all power, then I'm sending you in my name. When you go to pray for the sick, you do it in my name. And when you say, in the name of Jesus, I lay hands on you, and I believe God to make you whole, what you're saying is, I'm a man under authority. I'm a woman under authority. And the whole authority, all the authority of the kingdom of God is standing behind me, is backing me, is amening me, and the authority of the kingdom of God is greater than any power that would try to resist it. We go in his name. So in the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, be delivered. In the name of Jesus, may wisdom come. In the name of Jesus, that means I'm representing the authority of the kingdom of God. We go as his representatives sent by him to testify about him. The born-again child of God goes forth in his name, under the authority of that name, commissioned by that name, and speaking on behalf of that name. And you know that a lot of people don't understand the power of the kingdom that lives inside of them. That's why the Bible says, greater is he that is in you 
than he that is in the world. You are more than a conqueror through him who loved you. Faithful is he who calls you who also will do it. If God be for us, who can be against us? Greater is the one that lives inside of you. We represent a powerful kingdom, and we are all reps for the kingdom of God. Now, this was made really real to me. Many, many years ago, I, I've been doing this a long time, in the, in the late 1970s, really in the mid-1970s, I was leading a meeting, just like I do now. But it was in a living room, had about 100 young people in there, packed into this house. I had played guitar and led the worship, did the whole thing, brought a message from the Word. And at the end, I gave an invitation, and some young people came down. We were all young back then. Came down and lined up. And I decided, I felt led of God to go and just begin to lay hands on them and pray for them. So I started down this line. And as I'm going down this line, I came to a girl who, who I recognized, but I didn't know. I just recognized her. I'd seen her around a little bit. I laid my hand on her. Now, I'm not trying to creep you out by what I'm going to tell you happened. This really happened. So get ready. Well, I didn't have you till just now. Watch this. I laid my hand on her, and instantly her countenance changed. And out of her mouth came a voice, decibels lower than her own. And this voice said, we will not leave. I was thinking, okay, I will. Because <laughs> I'd never experienced anything like this. This was new for me. I still had hair down to here. I, I was brand new in these things. I, and, I, and I looked and I saw that this girl's countenance had totally changed. And I was very aware that something evil was looking at me through her. Now, what I didn't know, I found out later, she had been totally involved, fully involved in Satanism, in the occult. And when you get involved in that world, you open yourself up to oppression and possession by spirits. Now, if you're thinking, now, Jeff, come on. You don't believe that stuff is still around today. Well, tell me then, where did they go? Because everywhere Jesus went, he cast out devils. Are you telling me they took a hiatus, that they went away when Jesus rose again and went up into heaven? No. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Folks, have you realized that the more America has kicked God to the curb, the more demonic activity we're seeing manifested in America? You think this young man who did this shooting and killed seven people in California was not demonized? When you kick God out, it creates a vacuum and the enemy comes in. And here I was, and this girl, I said, all I could remember was what I had read, in the name of Jesus, you will cast out devils. So I said, in the name of Jesus, leave her. She jumped up on a stool, coiled up like a cat, hissed like a cat, and all the people are going, ooh, praise God, this is heavy. I'm freaking out. But the Holy Spirit faithfully took hold of me. And I just looked at her and said, in Jesus' name, come out. She let go with a scream. There was just blood curdling. It was just a scream I'll never forget. Just scream. But then it stopped. And then her face became normal and peaceful. And she began to weep. And she began to say, I'm free. Now watch this. Here, here's what had happened. The kingdom I represent 
came into contact with the kingdom that was in her that was not of my kingdom. And so when I laid hands on her, there was a transference and there was a conflict and the enemy had to bow to the authority of the kingdom I represent. One day Jesus sent out 70 men to preach. The Bible records that when they came back, they said these words. The 70 returned joyously saying, Lord, even the demons submit themselves to us in your name. Now, conversely, there's a funny story in the book of Acts. I got to tell you to you real quick. This is so funny. The Bible has humor. Here it is. The book of Acts tells us about seven men who were sons of a guy named Sceva. And these seven sons of Sceva had watched Paul casting demons out in Jesus' name. So they said, well, if he can do it, we'll do it. And let's give this a try, guys, because that's pretty cool. He's casting demons out in this, in this name of Jesus. So the Bible says they went to this person. They found somebody who had a demon. And here's what they said. I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. And the Bible says when they tried it, The evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence. They fled from the house naked and battered. They became the first New Testament streakers. (laughs) All seven of them naked and battered. Why didn't it work for them? Because don't try using the authority of a team you haven't joined. The devils know if you know him. So likewise, the true child of God, listen to me, can lay hands on a sick person or a demonized person and in his name bring his power to bear on that situation as his representative, representing that kingdom and the authority of the kingdom. And Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. Summarizing the laying out of hands is an often overlooked but foundational biblical truth that every believer is supposed to understand according to Hebrews 6.2. And among its uses are these, for healing, ordinations, sending qualified people into the ministry, receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit, imparting spiritual gifts, and imparting a blessing. I want you to stand with me, would you? And I want us to lift lift our hands. It says lifting holy hands to the Lord. Now I'm going to tell you something maybe you've never been told. There's a blessing in you. There is a blessing in you. The Bible says having used the members of your body for unrighteousness in days gone by. Now use the members of your body for righteousness, the hands. Once used for evil, now used for good. Now I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer of sanctification. And pray this if you can really mean it. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my hands. I give you all of me. You said I would lay hands on needy people. 
and I would be a conduit for your blessing. Let me be a blessing, Lord. Show me the opportunities and make me sensitive to your leading that I can offer prayer and leave a blessing. Now we're going to sing just a little worship stanza with our hands raised. Sing it.